Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. Well, I have, I don't know if this is a busman's holiday for her, but it kind of is for me. Dr. Linda Morris is my vet. And of course, Wanda and Maisie Hotchner's vet. And she's part of West Mountain Animal Hospital in Bennington, Vermont. And I thought, who better to ask about the oddest topic ever black gunk in dog ears, which, as it turns out, over the about 12 or 14 years that I've been doing this radio show and blogs, the number one blog that I've ever written is about black gunk in ears. Now, I find this sort of Oh, depressing that that's the most interesting thing to everybody. But on the other hand, it's an issue. So, Linda, thank you for giving up some of your time. And You're welcome. First of all, explaining, I guess really it's a kind of a 101, how does the dog's ear work and why does putting liquid in it help? And what is that black gunk and kind of the whole 101 of dog ears? Okay. Well, I think one of the easy ways to think of a dog's ear is like its potential to be its own little ecosystem. Okay. So dog's ear canals are L-shaped. So, you know, and at the end of the uh, leg of the L is where their eardrums. And, you know, it's, it's skin. I mean, the inside of the ear is just an extension of skin. And when the inside of an ear gets irritated, for whatever reason, allergies, uh, they went swimming, who knows. And the what the ear does is it produces wax. Now you have a warm, dark, moist <laughs> environment. And, um, and now you produce wax, which acts as a food source. And lo and behold, like I said, it's a little ecosystem the normal bacteria or yeast that are is on everybody's skin um, starts to pl- proliferate. So it's a great place to live. So warm, dark food source, and all of a sudden now you have um, bacteria and yeast growing in there, causes more irritation, causes more wax production, and you can see where this is going. It just <laughs> kind of goes on and on and on, and pretty soon you lift up your dog's ear, and it's this really musty, gross smell, and there's all the black gunk and wax and basically otitis. So so that's sort of how it gets started. 
Why is it black? Um, um, you know, that's a good question. Dog earwax does just tend to be that sort of dark brown color. Like even when you look into the um, ear of a normal dog, there will be a little often a little tiny bit of wax down there, maybe a couple little hairs near the eardrum. And the wax is always sort of that color. It's just that when you get too much of a of the wax and then the, the yeast or bacteria growing in it, then there's just so much of it. Um, it's kind of like our earwax is that sort of rusty color. Right. Um, and, and that's just the color of I see. our earwax. So well, it's not for the- dogs, it's... The black doesn't mean it's turned to mold or turned to, you know, something toxic. That is the color that it is. That's the color that it is. It's just that when you get all that gook, there's just too much of it. Okay, so why? I assume that a dog with an ear flap, like my Weimaraners and tons of Mm -hmm. other dogs, that the flap keeps it even warmer and more moist and there's no air getting to it. So are those dogs more susceptible? Um, potentially. Um, so if, if you add together predisposing factors, say, for example, you know, an allergy and then um, extra wax and that warm, dark, moist environment, and then you add that ear flap on there. Oh, and then what if you add a very hairy ear flap Ooh. or, you know, hair in the ear canal? And so, you know, there's just all kinds of factors that can um increase the severity um, or potential for severity of an ear problem in a dog. So you have two dogs in your household that have similar ears, both Weimaraners. Mm -hmm. One has never had a reddened, inflamed, unhappy, miserable-looking ear canal, inner or outer. That's Maisie. And Wanda's Mm -hmm. from, you've been treating her since she was a wee little, you know, sprig, always had problems, always been reddened, always shakes her head like a maniac, always winds up, you know, having to have me put the liquid down it and then put the other liquid down it and then still come to you. Why are some individuals so much more prone to this than others? Well, there's probably some sort of underlying condition going on. And, you know, generally it's it's some sort of allergy or sensitivity. And, you know, allergies can be uh, all different levels. So they can be very mild to where the only thing you see is a um, increased earwax production. And it's the same way like dogs that have other allergies may have a, a coat that gets a little bit greasier right. than, say, your other dog mm-hmm. does, okay? And because the ears are an extension of skin, you can kind of see the connection here. So, you know, there's there's not enough um, inflammation in the rest of the body to make you be running down the road of doing, you know, food exclusion trials right. or doing allergens and things like that. But there is enough there to um, make her susceptible to the occasional um, inflammatory ear condition and otitis and infection and, and so on. So it needs sort of a constant vigilance if anyone has a dog like that. But the part that seems so counterintuitive to me Almost like I get this instruction for you when I go home and I think, I'm supposed to put a liquid inside this closed <laughs> L-shaped space and that's not going to be a swimming pool for the bad guys? How does a liquid – I use the you know the professional veterinary one that you give me, but 
Many mm-hmm. companies like Earth Animal and others make, you know, all holistic, organic, ear cleaner, Halo used to. And those are just seem like a liquid that, you know, just clear liquid, whereas the, the one that the vet sells you has uh, healing properties or medicinal properties. How is liquid in any way a good idea? Because it can't, how does it get out of there? Yeah, the dog shakes her head, but it doesn't all come out. Doesn't it pool in there and create more of an issue? Well, potentially, but the whole point of putting the liquid in there is goes back again to that L-shaped ear canal because you can look in there and you can see wax there, but what you don't see is all the other wax that's around that corner and you oh. can't see that. <laughs> uh-huh. So if you don't get that wax out of there, then you have this um, perpetual, again, little ecosystem I going see. down in there. So when you put the liquid in there, just as important as that as doing that is the massaging that you need to do. So just at, you know, the base of your dog's ear, um, you want to massage, 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 you know, rub that ear for like a good full minute, then let them shake their heads and wipe out that debris, hoping that when they shake their heads, they're kind of flinging all that <laughs> stuff out of the lower part of the ear canal. So, you know, the, the liquid is, um, you know, part of a, um, a mechanical process as well to, to get that deeper earwax out. But, you know, part of it after you, uh, you know, you go in then with the cotton ball and the cotton ball is supposed to be um, absorbing the excess liquid. But at the same time with the medicinal ear cleaners, most of them are designed to leave behind a residual that is designed to either help control the yeast or perhaps there's a, a steroid that's been put in it and it, it helps to cut down on the inflammation and thereby the wax production. So, you know, you're, you're right. It does seem like, wow, I, how can this possibly help? But, but that's the reasoning that it does. You've got to get rid of the, the, the black gook. So basically it's very poor plumbing design. I just have to say, I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we can say that sometimes about female reproductive <laughs> systems. Like, who thought of this? Put everything like right yeah. near each other. But I mean, you can't really do, do, do much about it. The uh, the uh, blueprint is already in place. So what about this ablation of an ear canal? So my cocker spaniel years ago, Amalfi, in California, where lots of skin allergies in California, it's just a, a place where horses and dogs just and even kitties seem to have lots of allergies his ears were always inflamed swollen inflamed Mm -hmm. and I would do the things that you've just described and it didn't seem to to really ever resolve it so I I wonder now was this way extreme what the vet did he ablated the ear canals he removed his ear canals or or covered them or sewed them up or something is that is that no longer done was that an extreme crazy thing to do or what Actually, it, it's still done, um, and it's it's considered a salvage operation. So, these dogs that have such chronic ear problems, you know, eventually their ear canal becomes so damaged, and the skin on the inside of it becomes so thickened and inflamed. Yes. And I don't know if you saw this with your cocker spaniel, but the ear canal actually can become calcified and hard. So usually, you know, when you rub your dog's ears, it's it's sort of soft. Yep. But these guys, it actually becomes hard. Wow. And the the more important thing about this is there there's there's three things going on. 
the the dog is miserable because mm-hmm. their ears are constantly uncomfortable. Um, they have to have them cleaned and treated all the time, which isn't any fun. The owner's not having a good time um, because, you know, trying to clean your dog's ears when they hurt or they're unhappy, yes. that can really damage that, that bond between mm-hmm. an owner and their mm-hmm. animal. And not only that, but by that time, the dog is generally deaf in that ear. Yes, that so, was right. He it was so swollen shut. There was no oh, yeah. canal. And he was deaf. We used to think it was because he was kind of a visitor from another planet. He was one of those purebred <laughs> cockers who's like, hello, hello, anybody home? But yeah, he was deaf. But it mm-hmm. was disturbing. It is. and it's. But it, by the time that that surgery gets done and the dog heals, you know, they feel so much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this chronic infection, the pain that they feel, because, you know, they don't whine about things quite the way that we humans do. But those dogs that have an ear like that, you know, it, it must be, it must really feel awful. Mm-hmm. So um, when an ear reaches that point, to do that surgery by, with a skilled surgeon, I think can turn out to be a real gift for that dog. And, but I feel better. Yeah, well, and you probably, when you think back, it was probably a great relief not to be having to clean that poor dog's ears all the time or running back and forth to the vets to, you know, Definitely. try this, try that. His ears were you raw. Know? I mean, it was just, oh, yeah, yeah, putting any, trying to just put terrible. anything there or, or clean them out or rub them off seemed cruel. It was like mm-hmm. almost putting salt in a wound. Have you ever had to do that or or is it... And, and this is obviously an own dog by somebody who's on top of stuff. So it's mm-hmm. not like some, you know, dog at a shelter that was neglected and now it comes in with this chronic problem. Is it very rare for it to happen when someone is being vigilant as an owner? Um, yes and no. So, you know, even the most vigilant owner can sometimes find themselves in a position um, where, Say, for example, their dog is um, just can't tolerate the the ear cleaning, that they find that scary or distressful, and um, they they just can't do it. And there are lots of dogs out there that cleaning their ears is, you know, that's a bite-worthy incident to Ooh. them. Wow. And so, you know, it's not – I have definitely seen situations – where I can tell that an owner did not really do the cleaning and the treatment that was recommended to them. But, you know, I personally have a cat that has ear problems. And when I even think about going (laughs) near ghost's ear, you should see, well, seriously, it's it's sad because, you know, you got to remember all of us veterinarians, we have our own pets. That's right. And, you know, our pets have personalities and tastes and problems too. And when I have to clean ghost's ear, I take him into the clinic. I sedate him. No kidding. Clean his ears because it's so traumatic for him, for me to, to try to do his ears without sedating him. It's it's that bad for him. And I can't I can't look at his little kitty face and do that to him because then yeah. he looks at me like I'm running away and I go to pet him and he shies right, away. Right. So yeah, So that is no, a solution. I, I mean if you have yeah. a if you have a dog or a cat that needs constant attention mm-hmm. and that attention 
is stressful to both of you, light sedation in the vet's office, I mean, I'm sure there's dogs and cats, not cats so much maybe, that need that to even have their nails cut. I mean, there's these sensitivities that are kind of off the chart. And each time Mm -hmm. you try to attempt the intervention, it just makes it worse. You're, you're absolutely right. And I like to, to tell people to think about it. Uh, there are needle phobic people out there um, that for them to have blood drawn is a scary and traumatic thing. And, you know, you can try to talk to them and say, no, it's just this. Now imagine if you're a dog or a cat and somebody's trying to, to do things like that to you that they can't explain it to you. You don't really understand what's happening yeah, I mean, I think sometimes our expectations are a little unrealistic for what we think that they should be able to like uh, suck it up and <laughs> yeah, this be brave and come on. You used yeah. to be okay with this, and now you're nine and you're throwing a fit. Stop it. Mm-hmm. As opposed yes, to be more compassionate. For, yeah, they <laughs> put up with it for nine years, and now they've just said no. That's it. We're done. We're done with this ear thing. Well, I, I really, I mean, as always, I, I feel very lucky. Those of you listening may be jealous. You should be jealous. It's wonderful to have a vet (laughs) who sees things from the animal's perspective, also understands the genuine, healthy uh, emotions that humans have, as well as the neurotic, twisted ones, because that can happen around pets, and find solutions for whatever the medical issue is, even if it's an everyday common one, that work for both of you. So I would just like to say, which I've said to you many times in person, but now I can say it publicly, I feel really lucky that you're my vet, but really Maisie and Wanda would like to say that since really you're their vet, not mine. And (laughs) I just hope other people can find a way to have conversations with their vet like this, where if you have an issue that seems like it might get out of control, find solutions that are kind and humane and work for both of you before you have to do something as as tra- as traumatic in its way as, as major surgery. Linda, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to go put some of that liquid in Wanda's ears and do the one-minute <laughs> massage and give her a really That's nice right. piece of cheese afterwards and tell her it was your idea. Oh. Okay? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The cheese was your idea. <laughs> thank you so much. You're welcome, Tracy. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Wimer on or Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.